It's a trap. Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey everybody, great day to talk about X-Wing. And John McDermott. What's up, what's up? (laughs) What's up? Okay, that's not going to be a regular catchphrase for you now. It's not, but I just, I don't know, I was feeling it. Man, John, you're so cool. So we're doing something special for today's episode. We've settled on, I think will be a new recurring episode type. If you guys like it, if you don't like it, then this will be the only one, and that makes it special too. Uh, We're going to be doing five questions. Carson, can you explain a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we come up with a question, and that turns into a whole episode's worth uh, of discussion. But some of these are not quite big enough for a whole episode, but we still want to cover them. And so we can fit them all into one episode by covering a bunch of questions. Yeah, this way we can hit uh, inner, not necessarily connected topics where, you know, the each question can stand on its own here. It just wasn't enough to justify a whole episode. Uh, if you guys like it, too, we can uh, recur this segment every once in a while, maybe throw in some a listener questions or Patreon questions on the way, too. This week we picked out the questions ourselves, uh, and we hope you guys like them. I think they'll be a good way to stimulate some interesting conversation. Yeah, and the other behind-the-scenes thing is we pick things that hopefully we can fight about. So <laughs> <laughs> things get boring in quarantine. We need we need some action. Yeah, so let's jump into it with our first question. All right, so the, I mean, the real reason we're doing this segment is because uh, our dear friend Tim Sturm uh, told us after we had talked about, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about movie opinions. Um, Tim let me know how much he really thought I had great, thoughtful opinions and that he wanted me to share my <laughs> wonderful opinions more frequently. Uh, and I thought this would be a good route there. Uh, so this one's for you, Tim. So uh, let's look at our first question here, though. This one is a pretty broad sweeping one. What is the most important skill in X-Wing? Okay, I want to go last because I'm going to win this one. <laughs> it's Well, it's not a contest. We don't have anyone <laughs> keeping score. This one's cool, too. We have brought this up a couple times when we've had guests on the show, but I feel like we haven't like appropriately answered it just amongst ourselves here. So, John, let's go well, ahead and start with you. Well, no, the question we ask listeners is, what skill do they have that makes them good? And this isn't necessarily skills that I would say I'm great at, but that I think are the most important. Okay, take it away, John. All right, so I picked um, visual spatial awareness. So I think I picked this as my option for like what's my best skill as well. Um, but I think this is the most important skill in X-Wing because it lets you do a lot of different things. Um, it gives you the ability to look at a table and recognize where the obstacles are and you know, in your head be able to see where basically any maneuver on your dial is going to put you. Um, it also allows you to see you know, what ranges are, you know, from ship to ship without actually putting a ruler down um, and just kind of gives you an idea like in your head of what the map could look like in a lot of different states, which can help you make better decisions when you're moving your ships and when you're taking actions. Yeah, that's one thing I feel like uh, I'm missing out on while I play Tabletop Simulator X-Wing, where you get a lot of a lot of what X-Wing does, but it's not the same when you're staring at a computer screen 
um, compared to actually being above a table and having that familiar space you're in, the three by three mat. Um, it's a lot harder for me to understand distances just staring at the simulated version. So I, I absolutely agree with you, John, that that's a certainly a core X-Wing skill and at towards the top of the list. Uh, the one I actually picked is accurately assessing and reassessing your win condition. Um, and this is one that I really had to learn to improve on over the years, and I think it actually made me a substantially better X-Wing player. And I think it is the most important one because you can have a pretty good understanding of all like the technical skills of X-Wing, like how to measure range visually and understand your have that spatial awareness. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not constantly able to evaluate what you need to do to specifically win the game you're in, doesn't matter how good you are at list building or how good you are at measuring you know how far this three bank will take you and if it's going to clip that rock or not you need to be able to look at the scenario and as the variance changes the game be able to figure out what you actually need to do to win okay this is great because you guys both picked skills that i think are incredibly important in x-wing you know they're both skills that really help you win a game um you know being able to better visualize the table and better assess you know what's actually going on in the game what's important uh both incredibly important skills but you're both wrong the (laughs) wow ouch the singular most important skill in x-wing is creativity um because you're playing against another person you got to outthink them you know of course there's always the logical path but any good opponent's going to see that so you know to really win high skill level games you got to think outside the box um and this is something that I usually mess up quite a bit when I try to get creative. So I think it's a pretty hard one to master, but I think it is the most important. You you heard it here first, guys. Uh, Carson thinks the most important X-Wing skill is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you get into this, you know, unique puzzle. Each game is a unique puzzle, you know, once you get a few turns in and you have to solve it. Um, and you know, spatial realization and, you know, assessing wind conditions are part of figuring that puzzle out. But, you know, you really got to look for that unique solution. Regardless, all three are skills you should have in your toolkit readily available to you whenever you play X-Wing. Yeah, I don't think we had any two two hot takes there. (laughs) Those all seemed like good, valid answers to this question. So let's get to a slightly more controversial question so that we can have some real debate here. Uh, question number two this week is going to be, if you could erase one pilot from the game, who do you choose? Okay, I'm going to go first this one. Because you know you have the wrong answer? Uh, <laughs> no, because Colonel Jendon just needs to disappear. Uh, it's a incredibly powerful ability that doesn't require any skills, just get some free target locks, no work needed. Uh, I think it makes the games kind of boring. I think, you know, the range restrictions of target locks are one of the more interesting parts of the game. And Jendon just kind of takes that away. I think he's a boring pilot and makes for boring games. Okay, so your reason for that is more the mechanical nature of it, where he's got an ability that is not too skill intensive. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's fair. It's reasonable. John, what about you? Um, so I am actually glad Carson picked it and I changed my answer. I originally had Jendon um, oh, cool. for the same reasons Carson does. Um, but then I thought about the E-Wing too. And I was like, well, I can't get rid of Jendon 
based on his ability and not get rid of the Ewing. Um, so I went with a different Rebel pilot instead and actually picked Wedge Antilles. What? Fan favorite Wedge Antilles? I I mean, I'm not a Rebel player myself, but I've never liked... I'm on board with this one. Wedge can disappear. I've never liked his ability. Um, I don't like pilot abilities that can directly affect another ship's um, attack or defense dice. Like Having okay. upgrades that do that is fine, um, but I, I also feel like because Wedge and Luke exist, you don't see a lot of other named X-Wing pilots on the table. So I feel like if Wedge went away, you'd see more of those other pilots. Like Jack Porkins is like pretty fun. Maybe not as competitive as Wedge, but it'd be cool to see the other named ones on the table in Wedge's absence. Okay, so I disagree with that reasoning because I think Wedge is a cool character and I like seeing him on the table. But yeah, that ability, it feels really bad and it doesn't really feel earned. Like, if you compare it to Outmaneuver, which, you know, takes away that agility, like, that feels bad, but you look at the game state and you're like, yeah, I guess you did Outmaneuver me, but I'll take away my agility. But Wedge just doing out in every shot feels bad. I can get that argument, too, where, like, you, it feels like the ability should be earned if it's going to be that powerful, because, like, rolling one fewer agility dice is one of the most, I mean, it's, like, probably the most powerful offensive ability you could have, right? Yep. Um, yeah. I get where you're coming from, John. My route with this question was um, I could go one of two directions. I could go either with kind of uh, what you guys are looking at from a game design perspective and erase a pilot that I feel like doesn't contribute to the game in a positive way or in a, in a beneficial way to the overall health of the game. Or I could go the incredibly petty route. Um, and I chose the petty route. Um, I think I would like to erase Captain Seer. Because he bugged me a whole lot. Also a good pick. Um, <laughs> just the fact that Captain Sears out there giving a boost to ships that don't actually need a boost, which has been proven by Captain Sear not being in hyperspace. Um, he just made vultures, which are already annoying enough, and we've railed on them constantly on this podcast. Uh, he just made them even better than they already were, and they're already the best light fighter in the game, and they're already amazing. And I know this is going to be upsetting to Paul Nelson, but I just had to say it here. Uh, I don't get to vent a lot on this podcast, so I feel like if I could erase Captain Seer, I would just completely erase him from the game. 100% valid. I guess I'm glad I'm not the one complaining about Separatists. All right, so this next question we came up with, um, we actually kind of struggled with going back and forth whether or not we wanted to ask this question um, and it might be one of the harder questions of our five we picked today. Nope. This one is easy. <laughs> All right. So question three, which faction has the least clear identity? You came up with this question, Tim. You got an answer? Yeah. So we've been talking about uh, faction identities, which is something that X-Wing does and doesn't have to some degree. I feel like generally when we look at the factions, you can see patterns that kind of explain what the faction's play style is going to be. Sometimes the factions are inconsistent. We'll get new ship releases, which seem to contradict the actual, what we thought were the faction identities for the game. Um, and this one's not super negative. And actually my answer for the least clear faction identity is actually the rebel Alliance, which seems weird because that is one of the like core, the core faction of the game. Right. Uh, but I think that's one of the reasons it is, it lacks definition to me is because um, so much of the Rebel ship design is kind of like the baseline that other ship designs are built on. And we talked about this in our last couple episodes about essential ship types, where we'd see things like for heavy fighters, X-Wings and B-Wings are like your baseline models, and then all the other factions kind of spin off of them. 
And to that end, I feel like, to me, the Rebel Alliance's flavor is that it kind of mostly doesn't have a flavor. Interesting. I thought, you know, when the game launched, we'd see something about a big push for, like, group ship synergy, like the team-up idea of, like, the Rebel Alliance. It's all a bunch of people working together. I thought we'd see more abilities like Garvin Dre's passing focus tokens. Um, but I feel like that has not really come to pass. It's a fair assessment. Well, hearing no real objections, I think we can move on to the next question. We probably don't need your guys' answers, right? Yeah, I guess it's hard to critique <laughs> vanilla ice cream, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, that's it. It's vanilla ice cream. Like, yeah, technically vanilla is a flavor, but it's just become kind of the baseline for everything else. Okay, well, so I chose the resistance, which I think it's kind of weird to think that the faction I play the most is the one with the least identity when I'm a big fan of faction identity. Um, but I feel like the resistance is really not that different from the rebels, which maybe stems from them not having uh, much identity. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. The resistance is basically just like rebels 2.0, right? Right. I mean, so they're rebels, but faster, which is why I like them is I feel like they were like one of the fastest factions and speed is fun in this game of positioning. But if you look at, like, okay, the X-Wings and A-Wings kind of play one way, but then you have the Star Fortress that's just, like, totally different. There's, just like, a lot of really different weird ships. You know, you got the transport pod and the transport, um, I don't know. They're just, they work well together, but not in, like, a clear, focused way. Sure. They're, like, their ship selection, especially since it's so narrow right now, feels more haphazard. Yeah. You know, and I think part of that is the lack of source material, probably, where, <laughs> the, you know, they have they had X-Wings, and then they got A-Wings for one scene in The Last Jedi. Um, Thanks, Abrams. Just yeah. one ship. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, obviously, we got a whole lot more in uh, Rise of the Skywalker, but it's going to be a little while probably before we see those releases. So, yeah, they just had then their transport ships and that Star Fortress thing. Um so I, I, I get the feeling, Carson, kind of what you're saying is that if uh, if I say Rebels are vanilla, you're saying the Resistance is kind of just like French vanilla, just like a supermarket selling point that doesn't really mean anything. Well, I think those are the same thing, but <laughs> sure. I think that's your point. You, I think you can get vanilla from a bunch of different places, but sure. John, um, what'd you pick? So I actually went with the Republic faction. For <laughs> all the good guys. We just picked all the reasons. good guys. But the yeah, Jedi, that's our their identity. See, here's the thing, though, is I don't think it's actually supposed to be their identity. I feel like the idea was to have like a Jedi or two maybe supported by like a mini swarm or some combination of the clone pilots. And the problem is like the clone pilots aren't good the like bottom torrent got removed from hyperspace and they have the arc which i mean there was some play with when the republic first came out but there hasn't been much since and they have the y-wing which i don't know that has really gotten a lot of competitive play it ends up just being like triple jedi or like stripped down jedi and i don't think that was the intent of the faction which is why i think like in my mind at least they have the least clear identity yeah, I feel like they actually have a lot of identity. They're just, like, poorly executed on, right? Like, dedication and battle meditation is, like, what the Republic faction identity is supposed to be, right? And you they're garbage. Like, and they're terrible, yeah. Jedi setting up cool clone attacks or clones protecting Jedi. But those cards just aren't really playable. And so then 
on the table, it feels like there's not much of an identity. It's okay. I, I get that. Yeah. I feel like the release of the um the gunship here this fall maybe help as like a dedicated crew carrier and some support options. Um, maybe we'll see the resurgence of some of the like clone pilots and stuff. Um, but yeah, I picked Republic. That's just kind of where my mind is at. All three hero factions. Maybe we just hate the good guys. Maybe we do. <laughs> the dark side's just so tempting. All right. Well, we're on this negative streak. Uh, which X-Wing ship will never be good? Uh, so the uh, the way I approach this one, I think there is both like a game design element where a ship that's so fundamentally flawed could be bad. Um, my answer for this one's actually not really based on the ship's design. It's more on where it sits in canon. So I picked the TIE Aggressor. If you forgot what that is, and I wouldn't be surprised if you did, um, that is the TIE Fighter. It's a beautiful, beautiful ship. It looks pretty cool. It kind of looks like a TIE Advance with some of the wings stripped away towards the back. Um, this is the turret carrier TIE Fighter. Um, I had to look it up because I was trying to figure out where it was from. It's from the Star Wars Galaxies MMO, uh, which has been defunct now for, I think, nine years, close to ten years. And I, I so I think this ship, it's got a build where it could be good, you know, with the right points and the right upgrade assortment because it's got some good secondary weapon options. The reason I don't think this will ever be good most likely is because i don't think we'll see a re-release of this ship i think it'll always be in extended and i don't think that uh the designers of the game are very motivated probably to make this ship good because if you look at it you can tell it's a tie fighter but it's not a tie fighter from any movie anybody's seen and i feel like at least there's got to be some corporate pressure to really push the stuff that's like popular in the canon so Stuff that's happening in the Clone Wars TV show, stuff that's happening in the new movies. Um, I think there's going to be they don't want to they don't want tables full of tie aggressors because people look at that and they'll go, "Wait, is th- is that what Star Wars is?" It's a it's a fair take. Okay, so was this the ship that came with lightweight frame? Yes. Okay, yep. that's why I have a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I miss lightweight. They're really frame. cool looking. Um, and I actually feel like the design is pretty good. Like, it is very much, you know, the Imperials take on a turret carrier, which I think is pretty cool. Um, it feels very Imperially while still being, you know, a more a slower turret carrier. Um, I think there is a future where this could be good. I get your motivation thing, but I feel like, you know, if turrets become incredibly good or... Um, you know, these just go down a few points. Like, I think they're a pretty solid option. It's kind of a tough question because you could make anything good by adjusting points, right? Um, I went with the Rebel Tie Fighter because, like, why would you make this thing good when the Imperial Tie Fighter is supposed to be the good one? You know, the thing about TIE Fighters is you want to take a bunch of them, and this one's limited to just unique pilots. Um, And, of course, there might be a scenario where one of the pilots stands out. But I think that's kind of unlikely, given the pilot options for the Rebel TIE Fighter. And I think you have a a good argument here, Carson, because I think there is, like, an inherent limitation to the Rebel TIE Fighter, where since they are all named pilots, and for the most part, their pilot abilities aren't super synergistic with other ships, they're more 
benefiting the ship itself. I it would be hard to see them bring the ship to a point total where it's low enough that it would be appealing for rebel players, but not dipping below like the generic point cost of Imperial TIE fighters, which I don't think they would ever do. Right. I mean, I don't think they even want to make it better than the named Imperial TIE fighters. Right. I mean, like they hyped up Inferno squadron pretty big this year. And I think, you know, they want that to be a focus for Imperial players. And I, I think some of the reasons why the rebel TIE fighter is never going to be good. Um, interestingly enough, for like for the same reasons why the tie aggressor might never be good, I feel like the designers aren't going to put a lot of effort into like new pilots for the ship. Or like you said, Tim, this one's probably also not going to get a re-release. It'll probably just be an extended always. Um, and yeah, I don't. I picked it too as the ship that will never be good. So, well, that's our first agreement on the show today. So I guess you guys are winning. If there's a air high point. five, John. <laughs> Boom. For those of you keeping score at home, uh, John and Carson each got a point, I guess. Um, anyway. Uh, Tim got a sad emoji face. And I just get one <laughs> Not sad last. emoji. Just give me one Jar Jar. Just give me one Kitster saying, if it'll even run. That's all I need. <laughs> all right. So final question of the five questions this week. This one's going to be a little bit more positive. I feel like those last two were kind of downers. So... Uh, what new kind of X-Wing product do you most want to see from Fantasy Flight Games? This could be anything. Could be accessories, could be new ships, new expansions, all that kind of stuff. Right, well, I mean, so I was thinking about this one. I didn't want to do anything that um, they've already sort of done. You know, like, of course, like more card packs would be sweet. And I feel like they always come out with new ships. Um, so I was looking for more of a you know, new design of product. And I think faction specific core sets would be pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, so we had conversion kits, but I think the time where conversion kits are a good product is sort of fading away. And I think we need something new, you know, that easily helps new players get into the game. We sort of saw this with um, the Republic and Separatists. Um, You know, you got the pack with, like two vultures and a bell blab um, and a bunch of cards, some obstacles. Um, but players would still need to buy, you know, that rebel Imperial corset. And I think it would be a lot more helpful for new players. They just pick the faction they want and get a corset that has, you know, three or four ships enough to build a list, you know, plenty of upgrade card options, get that dice templates, um, everything they need to start playing. Okay, it's interesting that that's what you picked because that is basically what I picked. Um, I I want okay. there to be cool. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we both get another point, so that puts you in the lead if this is a game. Um, more more my angle was I don't feel like they're ever going to release uh seven you know seven different core sets or six different core three really? different core sets I guess if you do pair them up good and bad guys. What I would like to see is maybe a generic beginner set for people who really want to get into the game from the get-go but don't necessarily have any interest in the Rebel Imperial thing. It would be nice if you just had like the X-Wing begin-to-play set where you just get you get all the components that a core set gets you a little bit cheaper, and that way you can just buy whatever ships you want and play games with those components. That'd be pretty cool. And it'd be cool, like, if they had that to also maybe include content, like, from the, like, um, 
like the obstacle pack that they released. So like you could have additional bombs in there or like just upgrade cards that you wouldn't get if you bought like specific ships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just and throw some in there. Like make a product for people who want to cuz I'm sure there's a lot of people who just want to buy a selection of ships and play with that and do that for, you know, under 100 bucks, 80 bucks or something. So it'd be nice to have a product where you could enter that way and just buy like if you just want to do republic stuff, you would just buy your republic and separatist stuff and play it that way. Right. I mean, I feel like that would be a really successful product. I think what you said kind of already exists. Like if you just wanted the templates dice damage deck, you can buy all those individually now. Although I guess Jerry's sort of still out on those faction damage decks if those are real or not. <laughs> but the thing is like you need all those upgrade cards, right? That you get from either the conversion kits or the core set. Um, like you need, you know, there's a critical mass of upgrade cards that you really need to start playing this game. Like you just need to be able to fill out all of your options and, you know, some big bundle where it's not hard for them to throw in a bunch of cards, um, I think would be a great idea. Okay, if you were to design a core set for, say, First Order, what ships would you include in that? So that's interesting. It would just be for the First Order faction? Yep. It would be like a one-player set? Yeah. Probably, Probably FOs, right? Like two... Tie FOs, at least. I feel like you'd follow the three-ship model, so you'd probably do something like uh, either... Probably a TIE Silencer, and then two FOs, or you could do the BA Interceptor and two FOs. I feel like the Silencer would be a better way to introduce people to more components of the game, so they'd have a Force-sensitive pilot and then, you know, some generic stock fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what if it was, like, in the $60 price range and you got four ships... You seem like you had an to... answer in mind before you angled the question at us. Like well, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you... I mean, so you probably have two light fighters, right? So you have your FO, um, and then you have either the silencer SF, and then you probably add something else. Like, do you add the Upsilon? Do you keep that one separate? Um, I think you take two FOs, one SF, and a silencer, because you cover a couple different ship types that way. And you could build a hundred um, points or a two hundred point squad too. Probably, and know, it would be fairly like, and it would be relatively competitive too. I mean, you could have Kylo, a generic SF Scorch, and then either another generic or a lower end named one. Right. I feel like for a starter set, like you need to be able to play the full game with it. I mean, the current core set is like a great introduction to the mechanics, right? But you're not playing the full game. Sure. Yeah. I guess. I guess the what I'm imagining would be more for somebody who wants to like. Oh, they see people playing X-wing maybe, and they're like, Oh, I want to go jump in on that. You can't do that just by buying a core set. You have to go get a bunch more stuff. So I guess it would be cool too to have a route where it's like a, a starter set that lets you play on a game night with a real 200 point squad right away. All right, John. What's your new X-wing product that we've talked enough about me and Carson's? Sure. So I actually went away from physical product because I feel like they've done a lot of good things with second edition and we know they've got some good things coming out. Um, I actually went with um, like an X-Wing specific tournament software. So their first X-Wing. Okay, John, we're looking for realistic was... things here. <laughs> yeah. We can't have your, your fantasy dreams here of functioning official tournament software for X-Wing. What are you talking about? I mean, I feel like it's 
within the realm of possibility. I didn't say it had to be the most possible. <laughs> no, of course. I'm sure Go you're going to want a functional app, too. And the question asks me what I want to see, Carson. That's what the <laughs> car- question is asking. So, um, like, how many times have we heard of or been at events where the tournament software has crashed and made the day last, like, three hours longer than it has uh-huh. to <laughs> Like how many big level X Wing events happen at I the think same the real, time? The real question is how many times have we been to events where that hasn't happened? I mean, I don't know. Fifty fifty maybe. That's not good. Yes. <laughs> so having an X Wing specific, you know, tournament software would be good because there aren't like a lot of high profile X Wing events that happen like at the same time. So, you know, maybe a lower chance of it crashing. I'm not like I'm not a software designer and I don't work at FFG so I wouldn't know the specifics but it would be nice to have. No, I, I mean absolutely. And they've I mean they mentioned what a few months back that they were working on a new app and then we've gotten no or an updated version of the app and we the squad builder app and we've gotten no updates on that anytime soon. I I mean I think you're 100% right. It would be great not only to have something that would work for large scale events but early on in the X-Wing 2nd Edition lifespan, it seemed like they were trying to angle for a bunch of different store events that weren't just like store championship tournaments. And how much better would it be for stores to just be able to download a tournament app that has all the rules and all the information they need to run you know, a specialized event, like a Death Star 1 format event or something, uh, and have that all built in and be able to scan people's uh, QR codes to validate lists or submit lists digitally stuff like that, that would be an awesome thing to have that a store could use on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And if it's and if it's run by FFG, then it can coincide directly like with their list building app. Then you could do everything you do on tournament software anyway, like through their app. You know, you get your pairings, you can submit your list, um, you can do all of that right there on your phone. Right. I mean, I think that's what we all really want is that integration, right? Like, okay, why did we have this whole official app and like have everything digitalized? if we're not going to have it, you know, be integrated and like, you know, have all that data be tracked where we can all access it. Right. Like how cool would it be to see, okay, I submitted my squad into the list builder, you know, go to a few tournaments, get to see, you know, how that squad does. Um, and then, you know, look at those results compared to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, X-Wing sits in a weird position because the app was a huge focus of the second edition launch and how that was going to help fix a lot of the X-Wing first edition's problems. And it has, you know, adjustable point values and upgrade slots. That's important. Um, but it's weird to kind of have this game that sits in the middle of the old world and the new world where um, so many times we still need to, if we go to a major event, we still have to print out squad lists or have written out squad lists to show. It's weird that we don't have it all in a digital format since the app is required to, you know, or an app is required to do squad building. You're not doing it with the physical cards anymore. Yeah, and like we've seen a lot of good like second party apps, you know, Yasby is really good, Launch Bay is really good, so like it's not completely unreasonable to want an app or a tournament software that just works. You would think, right? <laughs> All right, so those are our five questions for this episode. Uh we're curious to hear your answers too, so I'll post this up on the Facebook page. Uh with the five questions there so we can hear you know your quick responses uh in the comments thread there so be, be sure to go onto our facebook page facebook.com slash radio tcx and while you're there feel free to like our facebook page you could also go on itunes and leave the show a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen 
And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to everyone who is a supporter. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.